your alter ego. That's art. Cardi B. When you step on your bike, you become a different person. A person who sheds the skin they wear when they're crunching numbers at work, or unloads all the weight on their shoulders when they barely make it home with the check engine light being on. You become a rider who, no matter how important you are in life, you're always checked by your skills and your fitness. A billionaire Silicon Valley CEO is now a mouse that some 17-year-old who lives on his bike sees in the distance on a climb, throws in a huge effort to swallow them up. Then, as they pass him, they give the Lance Armstrong look back and disappear. The bike is a place where alter egos reign. Get over the fact that having an alter ego is a childish affair. You've been told as we grow up and enter life that your childhood imagination is just childish. Now take that and throw it in the trash. The alter ego is a trait of your imagination that you built as a child. I always pretended that I was Darth Vader, a ruthless leader that one day would have a fleet of starships at my back. Now, today, I can dive into the psychology and see a lot of self-image problems that were created through my upbringing. But with awareness, I can see the character underneath. Strong, stoic, no-nonsense, and an unstoppable force when it comes to getting something done. There is a racer who is given a nickname because of his unique looks and unique riding style. He is said to be the best climber that cycling had ever seen. His name, Marco Pontani. His alter ego, the pirate. His relentless attacks on climbs broke the most seasoned racers. The era of racing he entered was the era of defense. It was created by the internal team rivalries that Greg LeMond faced in the late 80s. Much like racing in the Tour de France today, racing was stuck in team politics, strategies based on defending losses against rivals, and using time trial efforts as a way to stick it to your team boss and win anyway. Miguel Indurain would go on to win the Tour from 91 to 95, using the tactic, crush them in the time trial, and control them on the climbs. In the 95 tour, on the famed Alpe d'Huez, there was a racer 
who couldn't be controlled. As a domestique for Claudio Chiapucci, Indurain's fiercest rival, Marco Pantani attacked in the climbs on the Giro d'Italia, winning two stages back-to-back in dominant fashion, beating his teammate and Indurain and taking second in the Giro. Later that year on the main stage in the Tour de France, the pirate would fly his colors with a dominating performance on Alpe d'Huez. Climb, when in 1997, he set a record, and still holds the record for climbing the iconic hairpin monster the quickest. In 1998, the now-seasoned veteran would make his fierce attacks the mainstay of what a vision of a climber is today. The 98 season would see Pantani winning the Giro d'Italia and the Tour de France. A time trial early in the Tour de France allowed for the defending champion Jan Ulrich to create a huge four-minute gap to the Pirate, who then, as they entered the Pyrenees, started chipping away at that lead. Still behind by a substantial three minutes, the two rivals would enter the Alps, and Pantani flew his colors once again. On the first stage of the Alps, Pantani attacked 30 miles from the finish with two mountain passes in front of him. Winning the stage from this attack would see the Pirates six minutes ahead of Ulrich in the GC and win the tour. It's as if the whole of the Telecom team have been devastated this afternoon. And again, a very fast stage, 33 kilometers an hour. So he's done it again. He's this time, though, what he wants is waiting for him. And a lot further down, watch the time on the right here. Ulrich is nine minutes back today. Nobody would have put a bet on that. This, however, would shine the spotlight on the difference between his fierce alter ego and the man he was off the bike. During the 99 Giro, Amidst a strong performance, Pantani tested 2% over the maximum allowable hematocrit level. This led to a downward spiral of behavior, a cocaine habit, four car crashes including one that saw the pirate running into eight cars and stopping the wrong direction on a one-way street. The Italian fans didn't see his pain, maybe through culture or maybe because they expected more out of him and it drove him further into his funk 
of self-destructive behaviors. Although never returning to his former self, the pirate would return to the 2000 Tour de France and fly his flag and create one of the most iconic moments in cycling history. Lance Armstrong and Pantani would race to the summit of Mount Ventoux. The ferocity would never the be matched. The acceleration of Lance Armstrong, and he's gone off after Pantani and Botero, and they've got nothing left. I'm now going to chase after the pirate. Well, this is an incredible demonstration of the sort I don't think I've ever seen in the Tour de France, because Armstrong is toying with the top names of the cycling world. But Armstrong, who has really made the pirate suffer, but the pirate has refused to get off. We can see the line now. I don't know whether they can, because there's only a line on the road. Pantani is on the right and Armstrong keeping on the pressure here as we start to approach the line now Pantani grits his teeth and accelerates a few days later he would dance on those pedals again crushing the field but it would be his final victory Pantani would slip deeper into his cocaine addiction with the media attacking him he became more of a tool to sell newspapers than the great climber he was, and his racing results fell off their former level of prestige. Court case after court case brought not just Pantani, but the sport to its knees. A time period that would see every racer being attacked. Clean, dirty, no more focus on the racing. Then, on Valentine's Day 2004, tragedy struck. The pirate would be found dead in a hotel room in Italy. A cocaine overdose had taken the life of one of the most exciting racers in cycling history. The story of Marco Pantani isn't unique. Baseball, football, tennis, every sport of the time was fighting with doping scandals. This put enormous pressures on the athletes to still be able to perform while under intense scrutiny from fans, the media, and law in some cases. The alter ego helped many athletes get past the outside forces affecting them. It's not just doping either. Pressure to compete at incredible levels because of hype from the media or large monetary contracts. The pressure of competing against the best racers in the world. Or maybe even being able to be competitive with work stress entering your life. The alter ego is a way for your mind to escape the pressures outside of what your current focus is. To be able to approach cycling different than you would approach raising a young daughter or a business deal. The ability to play a role that will make you more popular or the one that breaks down mental barriers that could have been in your way. This is a tool to help yourself approach a race the way you want to approach it. Whether it's to build your confidence up or tear your overconfidence down. Then leave the race and approach life in a way that doesn't make you hated. Or makes you hated, depending on how you want to be seen. Just remember, you have a personality. And you have to stay true to who you are. Even if you tweak the way you act sometimes.